Hey everyone, we're back again. I got this little soundboard here. I'm talking today with Tony Vicinda. And uh, he really likes video games, I guess, maybe. Maybe more so board games. Um, that sounds nice. I really like... Ooh, yeah. Let's give a let's give Tony today. Tony and I talk a little bit about uh, his podcast, The Threshold, um, where he talks with people that are not Catholic, or which is what Tony is, and um, he talks with atheists or Wiccans or all sorts of you know different beliefs, just to have a conversation with them, and it's caused. Uh, him to have some interesting conversations and open some doors to people who otherwise wouldn't have talked to him. Anyways, I find Tony very interesting. We get way off topic. We talk about all sorts of stuff. We talk about um, things that I find important. So anyways, um, we had to switch our podcast over to Anchor. I want like a fail sound. Maybe that right there. We had to switch our podcast away from Anchor, um, but you can find, uh, just for various reasons, but you can find it now on the show.fireside.fm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, without further ado, let's just get some, let's just get some stuff here, right here, right? Let's get a little intro. you're playing a video game and you're just like shooting people uh, so he's okay. actually getting ready to do what i've been telling people needs to happen for a while right now and, and he, i guess he's doing a little it. bit of and that's gene's launching a catholic podcasting network um oh yeah yeah i mean everyone's i think everyone's kind of kind of hinting or thinking yeah. or or wanting to do that and i i've talked to a few people and i'm who I'm I'm not sure are in a position like I know Kyle Hyman has mentioned oh. it and I know Daniel Glaze and Gomer have talked about and it's like I don't know that I don't know how many people that are in a position to actually pull it off. Or so would, here's what you need. Or here's what you need. To you need to be able to not have to worry about your own income for the for the time you're launching it. You also need to be able to hire two part time positions at least, as well as devoting a significant part of your time to it. Um, or you could do it all yourself, but you'd have to have enough finances built up. And all the skills had to do it. So, so well, and also, do you listen at all to the Five by Five Network, no. like Merlin Man, uh, Back so, to Work? And so here's the thing: these- I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge podhead. <laughs> well, okay, so so they're one of the original like podcast networks, and I listen to a ton of their podcasts. And um, Dan, who's kind of the owner of the network. Uh, he talks about the work that goes in. And there's been a few times where he's talked about the work and and how the massive majority of work that he's doing is just selling sponsorship spots and maintaining sponsorships. And like that is such a huge part of the job that, um, you know, he had to kind of basically hire out all, all yeah. of that. And then it's not as it's not as um, glamorous to actually launch one it's actually much more beneficial to just be part of one yeah and it, the you thing know, is being then, part it, of one you're going to get a lot of support and a lot of things taken care of for yeah. you and not have to worry about yeah, a lot camaraderie of and, yeah i think it's a no-brainer someone should do it someone should at least try it some stay-at-home dad should definitely just try to just try well, to do it so and so, with, with some with some people that have some sales and sponsorship type experience but, but so, like, what's, I, so let me ask yeah. you the question let's let's talk so but let, so here's the real rub in catholic world 
Let's talk about listener versus sponsorship and where that money comes from, right? So you look yeah. at, um, so who who in the Catholic world, having listened to every single episode of the Threshold podcast, Evan Mitchell, because I know you have, I know you, I know yep, you definitely yep. just cram them down. You're like, give me more. You're, you're sponsoring us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Threshold podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, the 5X, that 5X speed is really coming yeah. in handy. Cause I just, I listened to all of them right yeah. before and this. So, um, the, um, uh, have you listened to any of them though? Like, have you listened to an episode? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, I have. yeah. I listened to the most recent one with your, with your youth. Yeah. So, and, so we let people uh, cuss. Um, mm-hmm. I don't correct people's bad theology. Yes. This is the big question I wanted. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Cause this was, this was going to be my leading asking you. Well, let's about let's come back to it in a second yeah. after keep, keep my, going. after my brilliant illustration. All right. Um, yeah. Um, now we do, Elijah, you cannot have audio on in here, man. I have a son named Elijah and you just freaked me out. Cause I'm like, what is going on? Um, he's he? in here listening to play, playing on, playing on his cell phone. Um, tell him to be more respectful. So, um, anyway, so, so I've got this podcast that, um, is creating real spiritual hunger in the lives of the unchurched and it's destigmatizing conversations about religion for Catholics and non and, and you're allowed you're allowing them to talk in their own language. You're not saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, you're you're trying to allow these these other people to talk in their own language and not necessarily making it uh Catholic radio um cut uh, right, clean. Right. And, and yeah. far from it, right? I'm not even making it um pre watershed um which is a <laughs> which is an old term for back back before they let the bad stuff on the TV, right? Um uh, <laughs> yeah level of production like i mean as far as as yeah. far as content goes like i'm letting like sam swords talk talk about inappropriate comments people made to him as a kid about how much his parents like to have sex right um yeah, uh, yeah. in a very real way and so I, i'm there's all those things who who in the catholic world wants to sponsor my podcast it's it's all going to be indie. It's going to be this whole new indie. It's going to be the the Sunday uh, every second Sunday. It's going to be the blessed is she. It's going to be it's going to be all indie um, uh, or traditional Catholic media that is a little more progressive. But I but think that's so, but that's so tell me be, so every every sacred Sunday, blessed is she. All those guys. I mean, they hit us up for sponsorship on a regular basis. The only person who has money in the in this market is Catholic Bombco and Luma Box. That's all I'm saying. It's up to the two of us to, uh, to fund this entire... No, but I mean, I'm serious. Like, so there's not... Those ministries, as much as that's a reality, they don't have tons of money just to throw around, right? So you're not true, talking about true. paying salaries. You're, you're talking about maybe yeah, offsetting this, production this costs, right? So the number, the number yeah, one thing that has to happen, right, is, is something that really is mm-hmm. embracing the indie roots. It's the, it's the NPR route, right? People give NPR money. They get endowments. They get, they get government support. They have, they have sponsors. It's the Patreon. The page, you're, you're, you're saying the Patreon the system. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's, it, regardless of the yeah, format, yeah. I love Patreon. It's Marxism. It's basic. It's essentially you're, you're saying communist, uh, podcasting catholic podcasting network. no i'm saying um I'm basically saying we need to get the means of production arrival at a at a at a communist understanding of um you know like i think we should the the proletariat i think we should take the means of production from ewtn and put the means of production in every catholic's home and have every white male catholic uh start a it's podcast already done, sir. It's, in their it's home done. 
I know that's a trigger out there because it's a it's a trigger phrase for you, (laughs) ma'am. So no, but okay, but here's okay. So this is something I think about often because I do have I do have one foot in the church world and one foot in the. I I struggle often with this idea or this question of um, how much I uh, filter or edit the content I put out in my spare time for an audience who might not understand nuance or might not know their faith well enough. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One of the biggest, one of the, one of the big, biggest topics that comes up is doubt um, is, you know, like, man, if you, if you have a conversation and are open to the idea, even open to the, to other people's perspectives or ideas and stuff. And man, people start getting really, especially when you start, I'm sure when you start getting to the to the level of listener, listenership or you know of something like catholic radio i'm sure there are people who can be very led astray possibly um but i man i just don't in the um in mainstream media doesn't seem like people are that confused when larry king interviews a ton of people right they're not like oh larry king just interviewed marilyn manson and um and uh whatever like i don't know think of like the opposite of Mar- like like larry king just interviewed pope francis and then interviewed marilyn manson oh well well larry king must believe in catholicism and sadomasochism right, right? like they're not confused that larry king they don't conflate larry king's worldview with the people he's interviewing he's interviewing Correct. them yeah i mean but but then also there's like well what responsibility though does larry king have He's giving a platform to someone, and what responsibility does Larry King have to who he kind of points that that spotlight on? I mean, he does. He has a responsibility, but I mean, the reality is for Larry King, it's about can I sustain whatever I've established as valuable by by unleashing this person on my viewership, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And and for him. And, and this is actually something I think is really hard for a lot of people. We oftentimes are all trying to get the same guests on our crappy Catholic podcasts because. Oh yeah. Which is why I, which is why I didn't want to have you right. on. Which is, which is <laughs> no, which is, no, a hundred percent, which is why I wanted to start my own podcast. Cause I wanted to get my own people on. I want to, I had Hunter Motts on here, uh, which I was so, I was so excited about, but he's not Catholic, not Christian. And like this guy I've been following for the longest time who I feel like, and I have a list of other people who are not on Catholic podcasts. And then this comes back to this is of like, well, is, is it a Catholic? How do, how would you even define a Catholic well, podcast? Okay. Network, for people right? who don't know who I am, my name is Tony Vicenda. Um, I work, I work at a parish <laughs> in Seattle. I, I do speaking and, and training across the world through this, this ministry I do called Project YM. We support Catholic youth ministers. Um, I also run this thing called Catholic Bomb Co., um, and, and I bring this up cause I had this conversation with my kids today and I, and I, I even said, you know, or yesterday, one of my sons, um, was saying, Hey, we should start a, a gaming, you know, platform online for Catholics. And, mm, and yep, he's, sitting, he's yeah. the one sitting in the room right now. And I had to gently basically say, um, uh, why I think that's a horrible idea to him. Um, and, and the primary mm. reason is that Catholics should just be on normal gaming platforms, living as Catholics using the best things out there rather than trying to Catholicize something that will never be as good as the other things that are out there. Right. And so his, his reasons yeah, were all like well try, intentioned, right? To, they were all like, 
connecting with people, yeah, this yeah, yeah. the other thing, sharing the faith. I mean, like he gets it. Um, but it was kind of saying, yeah, but to do that in a Catholic context, you're basically you're basically saying, like, we're going to go over here and, and do our own thing, you know, screw everybody else or, hey, like, you know, and, and like his big thing is he wanted something good that was in that realm. And so he he's sitting here listening to me. And but so is it, but isn't there, I, I want him to know I love him. But isn't there something about the perspective of a Catholic playing video games? Right. Isn't there something like I want to watch I, I want to listen to a sports commentary. But isn't it interesting if I listen to sports commentary by Muslim women or, is right. it, you know, like isn't isn't the point of view. Does, isn't there doesn't point of view play something into this so, whole so dynamic? going back to it i, I also had to clarify him to like i say this as somebody who has a company that has the word catholic in the title when we when we started making yeah. beard bomb which is what launched that whole thing that was the goal was not to form catholic bomb co it was to help support a ministry yeah. that we were doing even as it got bigger we originally launched it underneath a brand title which still exists on the label uh barbatus beard bomb mm-hmm. But nobody ever called it that. Everybody just called it Catholic Beard Balm. And so at some point we had to own the fact that people we were we were highly niched in the Catholic market. We weren't yeah. excluding anybody else from using our product, but we were specifically no. saying, like, hey, yeah, this is made by Catholics. Like we understand that a lot of the stuff we do is going to be geared towards Catholics. And it's okay to call it Catholic Balm Co. But my 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 goal is never to get someone to buy it because it's Catholic. That's not that's not my mm, goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care if they buy it because it's Catholic. Yeah. I don't care if they're I, I mean, I, I actually feel better about atheists using my products because they're somehow tangently getting exposed to the church than somebody mm. who's Catholic using my products because who who's making it more of an insider thing, like a this is for us thing. Um like we as a church yeah, exist for yeah. the Christianization of the world. My beard balm exists um, you know, for the Christianization of all beards everywhere, regardless of um, you know, their, their spiritual, um, orientation or current trajectory. Like I want them, people to yeah, come to yeah. know Christ surely through the anointing of their beard every single morning. And, and that sounds mm. outrageous, except for that it happens. Like we get letters from people about like weird things that aren't, aren't us. Like it's God at work, you know, it's, it's, it's curiosity being opened. It's built bridges of trust being built, mm. um, who are, who are, coming to a deeper and more profound spiritual understanding because of this silly thing we do and the fact that we're clearly Catholic about it. Now, when we started The Threshold, I was really clear. I don't really technically consider it a Catholic podcast, even though I understand primarily that's who my audience will be. Like, I I would I would at some point feel shocked and amazed if I ever found out that our non-Catholic audience overtook our Catholic audience. But I also went to a game store where I hang out the other night. Uh, with Father Parrish and um, around the table, it's been on the podcast, uh, uh, Threshold Podcast FM. Uh, the, um, you're, so, you're so smooth yeah, with right? those plugs. Uh, you're so so silky, silky yeah. smooth with the plugs. The reality is, there's this girl behind the counter serving us beer because it's that kind of game store. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, "Man, I just listened to it, your episode with Tim. Thanks so much for making this store a part of the, the show." Like, I've never heard anybody have that conversation because I'm atheist and I can't wait to listen to the rest of your podcast. Yeah, and, and that's it's, awesome. It's me that's amazing. sitting down yeah. with a, a deist and an agnostic non-believer at this at this pagan and atheistic influenced like venue, um, having people tell us that this is awakening a, a hunger in them for something they didn't even know they wanted, but that we as church know that deeply seated in their hearts, there is this hunger. And and if it's more important for us for something to be Catholic than for somebody to have an experience with Christ, 
and those two things are not oppositional to each other unless we make them, then we're going to miss. Yeah. Um, and and that's well, that's but hard. I, I, I can hear people screaming. I can hear people uh, screaming though, and you know, well, and the often you know misused quote from G.K. Chesterton, uh, you know, you shouldn't be so open minded that your brain falls out. And I have actually sitting on my shelf back here. I went through this phase where I was buying any any book that was related to the catechism or was just a catechism that was interesting. And one that I found was this hardback called The Common Catechism. And actually a bunch of Catholics of um let's just, let's just say they weren't they weren't the most they weren't people who Ratzinger or who Benedict or John Paul II or let's say like Balthazar even, or some of these other people would necessarily, like they were a little more left-leaning, I guess, theologians, but they sat down with a bunch of Protestants and they, they tried to write, like, what could we say in common? Like, what could be our common creed, basically? And I forget, I think it, it was probably done in Germany or something originally. There is an English and German stuff. edition of that book available. Um, and, and Edmund's going to drop okay, a link to okay, that yeah, down on the show yeah. notes. I probably I will if I can pay attention yeah, using to his that, Amazon to affiliate code, things. but making for the show. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Holy cow, man! The level you are so you're so well trained. Yeah, but I don't oh, do gosh. that. I don't this do that like, on mine. I don't. I don't ever use affiliate links <laughs> on mine, which is stupid. But I don't. I know. I'm just joking. Um, but anyways, you know, and I have it there because it's interesting to me. But but there's also I you know I remember. Or I just remember even when I bought it being like, man, just thinking, man, I'm a, I'm afraid someone's going <laughs> to view my library and think that I, and mistake my, my openness for conversation to be, um, what's the word, um, to be complacent with where someone else is. And that's like this intangible thing that you can't really, you, you can never constantly hold this flag that says, I really wish this person would become Catholic. I just want to make that clear, right? Like it's like it's like you can't co- constantly caveat on your threshold podcast. Like, by the way, we're going to talk to these people, and when they say these things, and I say, and I say, oh, that's interesting, and sound open to it. I just want you to know that I also internally am not considering going to another. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can hear I can hear people saying, well, well, aren't you misleading people by why would you even put them in this situation? Why would you put well-intentioned Catholics who love you, Tony, and look up to you? Why would you put them in a situation where they have to hear they have to hear these things and uh, they could be uh, uh, misswayed? They could be persuaded against the Catholic Church and maybe they would find this other religion interesting or this atheistic worldview interesting and why put people you know why would you want a little bit of poo a little oh bit my of dog gosh, poo in I your can't brownie. believe you're gonna use dog poop and brownies. No. <laughs> well come on it's a it's a John Welcome Bosco to, quote. Right? It's that not people, a John Bosco. That, yes it is I did yes not. it is it's either John Bosco or St. Francis de Sales. I guarantee I've read this right and I remember as a I remember in like in like college or high school reading this and going, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then getting older and being like, no, we are not in we were not in an uneducated, illiterate um, French <laughs> that nine you know eighteen hundred uh, time period. We're in the time of the internet. <laughs> like we like we're smarter than that, right? Like we're smarter than than. Uh, yeah, than, I, I'm, I'm googling your your erroneous okay. statement right now. <laughs> you're googling this. Yeah, you're googling this. Anyways, I'm just playing devil's advocate because I know this is where the the tension in this is where this comes from. You're man, you're gonna look this up. Here we go. I already um, looked it up. Okay, so here's the thing. I snoops that business. Origins 
Our Who's earliest Snoke? sighting of this item comes from August 2001. August 2001. Um, is this on Snopes? This, like, no, it's just about quote? the first usage of that phrase and the source of it, right? Um, I'm pretty well, sure. I'm pretty sure there was a chastity speaker who who popularized this. Now, now is there is it possible that a saint used something similar? Yes, but but I would counter with um, I would counter with the opposite, right? Um, and, and I'm not I'm not sola scriptura because we're not we're not Protestants, right? Um, so I would I would take an authoritative Catholic source for that, which I don't I don't believe a saint saying it makes an authoritative Catholic source. Um, because the church asked mm-hmm. me to believe that, right? Uh, I would say that in scripture, we see the opposite. We see the understanding that mm-hmm. a little bit of leaven causes the whole dough to rise. And I think mm-hmm. we can sit here and we can talk about people being afraid of poop in the brownies, right? Or we can talk about the <laughs> fact that we're called to be leaven in the world. And that, uh-huh. and that I think one of those is more powerful than the other. I think, I think at the end of the day, this comes back to, so we'll get, we'll get messages at Catholic Bomb Co, Catholic Bomb Co. Dot, dot Co, uh, <laughs> on a regular basis, people asking us about where we get our essential oils from, because they're worried about demonic influence in the essential oils that we use. Ooh, um, I was, and I actually ran into one of these guys at, an, at, at NCYC this year, um, like just sitting in a bar, mm-hmm. uh, drinking a beer, um, who had said he had messaged me about it and he really appreciated my response. Uh, but my response was this to people who who say that, like, um, I I am somebody who firmly believes in in the in the deeper spirituality who who is firmly engaged in the understanding of of the reality of spiritual warfare that the demonic exists, the angelic exists, and that there is a continual battle happening around us for for the souls and the minds of all mankind. I, I firmly believe that, and I firmly believe we as Catholics mm-hmm. need to be engaged in that. Here's here's my understanding of it though: like, our God is bigger. We are on the winning side, and that's yeah. not to take away the fact that the demonic has power. It does. It's just this very clearly state, like, look, these things are smaller than our God, right? And so, like, yeah. do I need to have a priest come in and bless, like, all of it to make sure there's no demonic influence in the essential oils? No. Like, I mean, I pray I pray. So when why, I work, why were they and I also know who we source it from, and I know we're not sourcing it from wicca.com slash essential oils. We're, we're getting it from a company <laughs> whose primary concern is is not religious. It's selling bulk essential oils of a high quality to companies that want to make some of the highest quality beard balm you can find on the market. Yeah. You're not, you're not bringing it back from Haiti on a boat. Yeah. Like right. You're right. Yeah. So why did they, so they just think that the phrase essential oh, oils. It's, it's so caught up in the somehow... new age. I mean, even, even Christian essential okay. oil companies of which there are a number. Um, if you'd like Man, to get my wife, I really don't want to talk about please, yoga. Uh, please contact, uh, us or, or just search Young Living uh, slash Trisha Vicenda. I don't know. actually know what the URL is first. Oh, no. It's the Refinery uh, YL on Facebook. Uh, Refinery. There you go. Oh, nice. That's the 22nd uh, link, I think, yeah, that you gonna, have They're dropped. all going to be in the show notes. Don't worry. Um, we, should, we should change topics. I really don't want to talk about yoga. I don't want to talk about yoga so either. Uh, we, we can skip yoga. So anyways, but here's the thing what I'll say. Okay. The whole, the whole New okay. Age understanding around that, even within Christian companies, is... They want to talk about energy. They want to talk about vibrations. They want to talk about all this other stuff. Mm. And, and here's the deal. People who want to make that sound stupid should read Paul. Like Paul talks about energy. Like Paul, in, in a lot of ways, Father Parrish um, from the, the Threshold podcast uh, will oftentimes talk about how Christians were really, because of Pauline theology, some of the first New Agers. He talks about energy. He talks about like praying for each other, laying on of hands, understanding that Wait, where does where does Paul talk about uh, energy? He, he uses the term energon like fairly regularly, not not in English, but in 
Yeah, Enter like John? The, the understanding Enter of like John? spiritual energy is Look a reality in Paul's original language up. and text uh, consistently. No, I think you're thinking of Transformers. That is, Energon, it is also, but it's, it's from it's from the 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 Latin slash Greek, whichever one. Um, oh, Energon meaning fuel from uh, the Teletron one. That's the Transformers, right. Tele- tele- on the, the, the original fandom. book of Teletron. Um, so, but anyways, there, there is this understanding in in Christian spirituality that that there's a reality, like a a, a a energy, a communion that exists that is that is spiritual, right? All of that language, right, in the old world sounded very much like New Age language in the modern world. They're not the same. The theology is not the same. The understanding is not the same. Now, mm-hmm. still so- being able to cite that there's a universal truth to the fact that there is a spiritual energy and a spiritual reality that connects all of us and that we as humans do have are, are affected by that and have an impact on that. That's a reality. Too. You know, like that's that's a yeah. thing. Well, and well, well, the thing is, you know, I get, and I, this is where I get scared and, you know, d- the full disclaimer that we are not walking catechisms. This is just things we're, things don't we're do talking it. about. Don't do it. Just, I, just, I, just let I know. people know it's okay. <laughs> we can be wrong. I know. I know. But, but, um, but I've been, I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson and I'm getting like dabbling in Jung, which Ooh, I know is dangerous, yeah, is, but, but the, yeah, very dangerous. But the idea that we can, that there, that there are, he goes so as, so far to say that there's an infinite uh, amount of layers. There are infinite number of layers of interpretation to everything that we like. Saint Paul in the first century saying energy could be you could explain that two thousand years later to mean a va- like you could mean like on a quantum level, on a totally. spiritual level, on it. There's so many different there's so many different levels. Like what. To, for us to use the word energy is just to make a sound with our mouth that communicates data and passes it on. But what the, what the data is that we're passing on. I mean, I, I think about this a lot. This is why I got so into the catechism and, and into some of these things is like the catechism is just a structure for, for handing on a set of data that we, the church didn't always and doesn't always never completely understands the full depths of it, but just continues to pass on this kind of like, like untouchable data, like revelation in just like these creeds, like these just like list, like it says in the catechism, we believe not in the words, but in the reality it expresses, which is the craziest idea that we just, we just pass on this word, but there's this deeper thing in a different, in a different reality Anyways, I'm getting like super, no, no, no. I, I mean, I super so, crazy. But, but here, but but going think, back to my point, right? So, so I don't want to yeah, dismiss yeah, go back to the the reality of spiritual energy or or any of those things, right? I want people to understand, like, um, God is bigger than that. Like, I'm not bigger than that. You know, like I'm not. Um, mm. I am impacted by those things. I am aware of those things. I am on guard against those things. But I also understand that that my God is bigger than that, and that He is the one who I'm going to go to in, in any of those situations, right? Not, not seeking my own power, but seeking his. And in the same way, like, and you just, you know, you just started caveating because you want people to understand, like when, when Tony says stuff that sounds like, you know, um, completely insane, that I, I may be saying something that's incongruent with Catholic church teaching, right? I might be, I, m- I might not be. Mm-hmm. Edmund's totally wrong in this situation. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the reality is why, there's two, there's two parts of that one. I don't, I don't seek to lead anybody astray, but here's the thing. If you don't like what I'm saying, turn it off. 
don't download it. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually not forcing anybody to listen to any of it. Um, that's, that's a big part of it. The, yeah, the other, the other big part of it that I would say, right. Be above and beyond that. Cause mm-hmm. you could say, well, people may not know da, 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 da. if, if somebody is so poorly formed that me not yes, disagreeing I, yeah, I with one this. person and shaming them spiritually, emotionally, intellectually mm-hmm. in a way that might drive them away from a relationship with Christ or trust with Christians and help them further their own relationship um, with the mystical body of Christ in some capacity, if, if that's what's needed for someone who's a listener to grow in their faith, if they're that poorly formed, shame on them and shame on shame on their parents. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't have any control over. Yeah. That. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, um, man, so many different analogies you can draw, but it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a kid and you walk in on the parents table and, and someone uses a swear word and you're a, and you're a 12 year old and you're, you're staring at like, Richard Dawkins or someone and you're like, Hey, you can't say that. That's not, that's not nice. It's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like, wait, or, or if, or if, um, you know, yeah. If you're sitting at the table with uh Bishop Barron and he's talking about something and you're like, um, not at the same maturity of your faith that you can handle the, the talk, a perfect example, Thomas Aquinas arguing from yeah. both sides. And it's like, man, if that, if that destroys your faith, I mean, man, I don't want to keep telling the story, but I just have to tell you. Yeah, everybody else um, ignore it right the, now. This is just for me and Edmund. Yeah, just ignore this. Yeah, but in a, another episode, I just tell a story of recently I had a parent come up to me and say that um, they just totally disagreed with everything I was doing because I was casting doubt. And why am I even bringing up doubt as a – why am I bringing up doubt? Like I went through um, C.S. Lewis's Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. And I went through, um, you know, scholarly evidence for why we can trust the Bible as a literary, like book text. And she felt like it was just it, like it was casting doubt. It was going to sow seeds of doubt that it was it was bad and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, like I, the same thing that you said. Wow, if if you really think that a Catholic cannot handle a Catholic youth minister <laughs> making a a very basic uh straw man argument and then demolishing it and then that 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 would utterly destroy a catholic's faith then yeah maybe maybe you don't have that much trust in the formation that this person it is not faith unless there are serious doubts it is not faith unless there are serious Mm, doubts like the the unless the way i say is unless there's skin in the game like it's like in a marriage if you knew Beyond, if your if your wife was a robot who would never cheat on you, it's not as dramatic. There's not as it doesn't mean as much for you to say I'm trusting you. I'm right. trusting you. Like the ability right. for my spouse to cheat on me makes my faith in her when she like leaves the house means something more than my faith in her if I knew she was incapable. Right? <laughs> right? It's like it's it, like in some way the capacity for it makes it makes the trust that much more there's skin in the game right. no, I but, could and, be and, wrong. And, and i can and, i can even feel you pushing back against my statement of like in, unless there's doubt there's no faith like i can feel that edmund I, no 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 what i what i mean is what i mean about, is i just haven't no i'm listening right now and she's gonna come back no 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 no, no, no. I, i'm totally down like i yeah <laughs> no my uh nick one of my co- past co-workers used to quote i forget who used to always say my doubt made my faith what it is i'm just not sure i've thought hard enough about about the 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 word faith and the word doubt and what that means i think i think 
I'm a, when I feel very quickly about those two words, I feel like there's a different, there's another word. That's because you let um, the Western like world pollute your mind. Oh my gosh. Is this going to be a East versus West? Uh, um, uh, no, because that would thing? be, that would be of the devil. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> no, what I mean, what I mean is um, I'm, I think anyways, I think we're going a little afield, but I'm, I'm totally there with you that uh, having moments of doubt or whatever we would call this real, this, recognizing that I could be wrong or there is a capacity, there's a possibility, however slim or big it is, there's a capacity for me to be wrong. I I am totally there with you. And I, the only reason I'm hesitant on my faith isn't what it is without doubt is I, what I mean is that you do read what I'm working on in my head is that I do think you get to a certain point where the doubt, you might use a different word because if someone said like, do you doubt God's existence? It's like, well, well, yeah, like, like, does a scientist doubt that the sun will rise tomorrow? It's like, well, the scientist doesn't doubt it. The scientist is open to contrary evidence, but the scientist doesn't doesn't doubt it, right? If you ask Bill and I, do you doubt global warming? He's like, no, I don't doubt it. It's like, well, do you think there's a chance it could be wrong or that it doesn't exist? He's like, well, yeah, sure, sure there's a there's a possibility. And I, I think there's a different Anyways, but, I think there's but a different I think, word, but I, I think it's I, I totally I go back to I think this comes back to and I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple of what I think are are consistent parallels to accompany that and then we then we can move on me having had the last word, um, and that is <laughs> that is um, uh, uh, without darkness right we don't understand the beauty mm-hmm. of light right um, true without without um, I don't know what I want to use that one. I would I would also parallel it though I don't know how I want to say it to the relationship between love and sin or relationship and sin potentially right I don't I don't desire one mm-hmm. I don't think that sin is good but I understand that the sweetness that I receive from God's love has a relationship in its magnitude to my inexperience or encounter of sin that one and I think that's actually the one that the part that makes faith and doubt problematic and troublesome for people who, when they hear those two things kind of put in, mm-hmm. in correlation to each other, um, faith mm-hmm. and doubt. The reality is if I don't ever experience doubt, I'm not actually experiencing faith. I just have certainty. I'm not actually putting faith into them. I just have certainty. If, if I, I don't, and I don't experience See, I, doubt I, I, without some sort of failure or fear of what failure might look like. So, do I doubt God's existence personally? No, but that's not what drives my faith in him, nor is a, a fear of him what drives me. Do I doubt my own fidelity? I don't doubt my own fidelity. I understand my own lack of fidelity, right? And so I think, I think yeah. the, the reality is that for a, for a well-formed Christian, the types of doubts you have are going to be different than for a poorly formed Christian. And I think to conflate those two things is what makes it so hard to kind of have doubt and faith exist in comparison to each other. Well, but, but the only, the only thing I would add is that what the crazy part about all of this is that the goal is to not have faith at all. Eventually the goal is to like faith, hope, and love are these, are these theological virtues, but in heaven, there is no faith or hope. Yeah, only love because like we don't need faith at that point. So that that's the only thing I would say is that doubt isn't um 
it, on this side of heaven, yes, a hundred percent. Like I would agree. It's just I'm just wor- just working on this. But I want to go back. You said you said uh, the sec- your second point was um, if they're so poorly formed that they couldn't handle that, then shame on them. There was your first point. Do you remember your first point from like 20 minutes ago? There was a first point, and it and it uh, reminded me. Oh man, I'm sure it was very um, good. I mean, I'm very smart. Yeah, it it, it comes to this um, something something I. I sense that they're – I mean I, I'm not the only person. I'm not smart for oh, thinking I'm not this or saying this. I'm, I'm just not making like them listen. That was my first point. Oh, yeah. The, I'm not making them listen. Well, I do – I'm not the only person – like this isn't my original ideas. But there is such a such a change in <laughs> two white guys talking about the change in technology uh, is going to get really crazy. But – there is such a change in the way that we consume and and process things that people say publicly, whether that's newspaper, Twitter, Facebook, like all of these things, versus the way people the, the way people do that now. Mod, like let's say the whatever this era, whatever this in, in internet era is. Yeah. Yes. And and the, well, I just post internet. Just post internet okay, so, compared to so, pre-internet. So not post internet. Post broadcast. Right when you when you enter into a realm of interactive inter- information and you are no longer dealing with information that comes to you from a sheerly broadcast mentality. Sure, yeah, like you're talking about like internet traditional internet media, like radio. Oh, I would say post the invention of sorry, post the invention of the internet, right? And and I've been trying to work this out in my head, right? Because I sometimes get into these situations where so perfect example, right? Um, Retweets are not endorsements. Why does someone have to say that? <laughs> why do you, why do you have to put that in your Twitter yeah, account, in your I, Twitter? I, I do, in but your here's Twitter the thing: bio. if you're just retweeting stuff for one thing, like if that's all you do, or if that's the majority of your stuff online is sharing other people's stuff, like that's weird. Like, but I want to know, like, it doesn't it doesn't no, but, add anything to the comment. So, so retweeting is not an endorsement, but it is an amplification. True, but. That that ampl- so, if you walk by a conversation, Bishop Barron, Pope Francis, and me, and then I don't know, and Tony, and um, Richard Dawkins' book comes up, and you just hear the book come up. Like, do you assume this that Pope Francis and Richard Dawkins, or that Pope Francis, Tony, and Bishop Barron are all endorsing a hundred percent this book? Like it seems like in normal human interactions and (laughs) yeah, true. But in normal human interactions, and I think there's, there is a vast majority of people that are, that are internet. And I really do believe this idea that internet is become, is, is just its own culture and language. There's so many, so many levels of, I mean, there are like three, third, fourth generation memes where you have to understand like three genera- three iterations of a meme in order to understand what this, what this like even word means, right? But anyways, uh, in in there is a majority of people on the internet that understand <laughs> that that's how the internet works. That someone might be retweeting something for a million right, different but, reasons. But this is, this is, and this but becomes my but, issue, but, right? Okay, well, wait, let me just – and then the uh, and then the other side – the other side are people that are still viewing um, the internet as my five minutes of fame. 
right? And what I mean by that is you have – if you have – back in the old world, the any time you had – this is why you're like all of our parents uh, don't like being on camera because it's like, well, I only get my five minutes on camera, right? And so everything has to be perfect, right? Like so, so in the old world, if you were going to go on TV and you were – you were going on as a Catholic, you had five minutes to portray Catholic, to represent Catholics, right? Like, and, and you got to represent it well. And if all you do is talk about Richard Dawkins for your five minutes, people are like, well, crap, you really wasted that opportunity to broadcast our, our, our people. Whereas now, man, you could broadcast 24 hours a day, right? Like you can just broadcast stuff. You can just put out thing after thing after thing. Here's my idea today. Here's my idea tomorrow. Like you can just keep it. And so it's not as, it's not as, um, as set in stuff. Like, I feel like there's people who have to put retweets or not endorsements or people that are viewing their, their tweets as way more important and, and fixed than they really are. They're much more dynamic and are thought it's just like walking down the street. If someone's really walking down the street and talking as if they're constantly on record, Right. It's like, well, you're but, not, so here's, here's you're, not you're not a record. We don't, my, we don't act my, that way on the here's internet. Here's the flaw in the analogy. You are comparing a, a broadcast era conversation, right? A, a, a one, two or three person conversation that somebody walks by versus a, a online retweeted here in here. When I say it's not an endorsement, but it is an amplification. If, if one person walks by and hears three people talking, that is an increase in the conversation from the order of three to four, right? That's that's the increase. Mm -hmm. If I put something online yeah. because I am just, I, I have a phenomenal social media following, but I do not do Twitter. So I, I don't even understand this retweet business you talk about. No. Mm -hmm. So if I reshare things on whatever, whatever <laughs> my platform of preference is, right? I am putting that out to every yeah. follower yeah. that I have. And depending on, well, depending on a drink, all that other stuff, but let's just say like it's a, it's, and so I am taking that from a one-on-one -on -one interaction, me receiving that information to now me elevating it to thousands of people, depending on my platform. And that, that order of I mean, magnitude is I, completely I'll... different. And here's the difference. I walk by, I hear them doing it. I have the ability to turn to them and say, cause, cause I'm, I mean, I'm close to the other two. I mean, I'm in the conversation, but if the, if the, when you're walking by yeah, mine yeah. and Pope Francis's and, and Bishop Barron's conversation, and you, you can come in and well, say, you were Tony, just, yeah, um, yeah. can you introduce me to your two friends? I'd love to meet them. And, and, I have a question about what was just said, right? There, there's an obvious way to engage in that mm -hmm. if you're willing. But if I'm just walking down the street yelling things like so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, so-and-so did this, so-and-so. If I'm just walking down the street yelling that and I'm just amplifying that, then that's the equivalent of what we're talking about by just retweeting. Because and here, here, I, I, retweet to your heart's delight. But add to the conversation. Like, mm. that's my big thing. Like, contribute mm. to the conversation beyond just putting it out there. Even if contributing to the conversation is this. What do you guys think about this? This is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. One of the points I took away from this was blank retweets and blank whatevers. That's ridiculous. I don't think a retweet is an endorsement. But if I don't, if I don't know somebody well enough to know how they feel about that, or if I don't know why they're sharing it, I want to know. Like, otherwise... Otherwise, you're just yeah, walking see, that's, down the street screaming. That's my question, and and I don't want to be around that guy. I know, but 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 then that's but then so you're talking about context, right? You need to add context to the retweet, well, correct? I mean, maybe, like you need to add you need some to, kind you need, of like you need to why, the why are you whether that's context or whether that's what? Yeah, sure. But see, this is so. This is where I struggle, right? Is because how much context? 
who are you giving context for, right? Because the context of a retweet that you give for your mother who doesn't tweet compared to the context that you would give for people who are on Twitter and understand Twitter lingo, right? Like, like I sounded like so old just then. I want, I wanted to like bite my face off. I, 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 I mean, I have a Twitter account. I, I have, you know, over a thousand followers. Twitter I don't, lingo. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, Twitter lingo. But do you get what I'm saying? Like, this is what I'm struggling with as a person who is a, who is a D list celebrity. Like, but there have been situations that I don't want to go completely into, but situations where my professional and my personal life, like I've, I'm constantly as a youth minister, you're constantly having to skirt this line. And, and what some people on one side are saying is there's not enough context. And people on the other side are like, wait, LOL does not need to be defined. Right. And so you have people on one side that are like, no, you can't, you need to provide context. People don't know what that means. And on the other side, it's like, no, 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 this was clearly sarcastic, right? Like, like, like Pope Francis retweeting Trump. It's like, wait, there's something else going on here, right? Or, or, or like, like, I understand that that would be probably not a good move, right? If Pope Francis just blankly retweeted Trump, right? But like, man, there. What, where do you draw the line? And this is most of my life is trying to figure out where to draw the line, but where do you draw the line on your responsibility to provide the level of content, the level of context? And I just think this is a pro- like, as, as us older people who say Twitter lingo are dying out, this will become less of a problem. But, um, man, that's just something I struggle with constantly. No, Did but you die? there was a weird jump there. Um, so no, it's, it's oh, cool. Shoot. I was I was googling Lumibox.co so I could do a weird product pitch for you in just a minute. But um, and <laughs> oh my gosh. not only are you going to put so many plugs in for your own stuff, but you're going to start oh, out plugging me on my like, own. Stuff. You don't understand. Like I, I I'm a I'm a giver, and and you know what the best gift you can give yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the Epiphany season is a, a subscription to Lumibox. Just go to Lumibox. Lumibox.co <laughs> where they are going to curate some amazing. Uh, amazing products, some some art, um, just just different beautiful things from different Catholic makers, and they're going to put it all in a bundle, and they're going to send it to you. It's a little it's a little gift of actual Catholic stuff, not just crap, not just more stationary that you already have a whole bunch of, not just something that somebody put Catholic on and then decided yeah. to send you, but actual good stuff from actual amazing people that um, that Edmund and his lovely wife uh, curate each month and lovingly deliver to you with a spiritual kiss in every single box. And so go to lumabox.co <laughs> and check that out. Um, and Tony, you pick the coupon code, and we'll give them. We'll give we'll give the listeners ten percent off. I don't want pick, a just because code. I want we, you. We'll go coupon, coupon code. You can code. go to um, uh, uh, Lumibox. You can use the, Lumibox. the coupon code. Um, uh, plug it. That's P L U G I T. Plug it for ten percent off. Um, and and and, and if you yeah. want to help support uh, great podcasts out there, just go to lumabox.co slash the threshold podcast, uh, and we're going to get ten percent of that money back. That's not true. Don't go to that link. Just go to lumabox.co um, <laughs> unless Edmund sets it up, and then go to that, and I'll get ten percent. But I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. And so, okay. um, oh, so no, so, so to totally oh. underscore everything you said. No, no so oh. no, I, I agree. But here's so here's the challenge time. in the 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 internet world, right? Um, with all of its Twitter lingo, um, one of the biggest thing it's done, there there are these layers to it, but it is flat. There is no geography to the internet. Um, people who are able to access things online are able to access them freely and openly. Currently, I mean, we could talk about net neutrality. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Um, the um, yeah. The reality is people are able to access 
what they want to access without restriction on the internet. That's that's one of the beautiful things about it. That's one of the dangerous things about it. So when I yell something in the internet, it can it can ricochet forever. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing that that drives mm-hmm. me nuts. It, it is it is we have lost our ability to communicate like normal people because of the flattening of the internet. Mm-hmm. We're used to communication geography that there are barriers there are peaks there are valleys that prevent us from reaching an audience the internet eliminates all those right um if you're able to get out there and Mm -hmm. and create something that evokes interest creates curiosity or just pisses people off you're able to get a message out right and that in, in a way that people never have before that's frightening and beautiful at the same time it's the equivalent of yelling fire um in an infinitely crowded movie theater and watching people get trampled to death emotionally um and and we've lost our ability to enter into normal human conversations on the internet because of that. Um, there there has to be a point at which people are willing. And, and I and I've reached this. I didn't used to have this. I used to on my internet conversations just want to see the skulls of my of my combox enemies crushed as I drove my foes before me <laughs> underneath the weight of my immaculately yeah. formed argument. Like I wanted to I wanted to Ooh, win. Yeah. And one of the things I've I've learned is that doesn't happen. Like you don't win on the internet. That's yeah. no, no one. No one wins the internet. Yeah. Like you, you might. Yeah, you no, might no. feel victorious at the end of the day. You might feel justified. You might feel whatever else. But the reality is, if I entered into my day to day relationships with people that way, no one would want to hang out with me. If all I wanted to do was prove my superiority mm-hmm. to you in conversation, who the hell would ever want to talk to me, right? Um, and so, mm-hmm. the fact that we behave that way online is insane and so here's what i've learned how to do somebody says something uh on a on a on a facebook forum i moderate right um uh because i have to plug something we're gonna go with a catholic youth ministry discussion group um and you can find that at cym discussion group uh uh facebook.com slash cym discussion group um right so um links in the in the show notes um the uh the reality is if i if i if i have a conversation there and i'm the moderator so i could just you know freeze people, kick them out, delete their comments. I can do whatever I want. I don't. Um, I, I say, hey, you know, here's a reminder. Here's what we're here to discuss. Here's what I think I'm hearing from you. Here's why I think you're wrong. You know, um, and I'm very clear that I, I disagree with them, right? They may come back at me angry and upset. And if they are and they disagree with me, that's fine. We can go back and forth. If we've gone back and forth, you've said something, I've responded, you've responded, I've responded, you've responded. On that next response, I'm not going to respond again with my next thought. Or why you're wrong. I, I need to decide to do one of two things. I need to decide to move on or say, hey, I, I can tell you're really convicted about this. It doesn't seem like anything that, that I say is going to necessarily change your mind. Um, if you'd like to have a further conversation, man, PM me. I'd love to give you my cell phone number and, and let's chat. Let's chat about this, you know, in real time. You know, um, I never have people take mm-hmm. me up on that because they're not actually interested in yeah. what I have to say. And if they did take me up on that, if they well, did take me so, up on that. But sometimes, sometimes that's frustrating, though, when someone does that. I've had people do that to me. It's like, I don't want to talk to you on the phone, man. You're being a jerk. Well, but so, so here's my thing. Here's not my not thing to discredit your point. Also, sorry, too, you sorry, 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 sorry. So you get on the phone with that person. <clears throat> they say their thing. You say your thing. You say their thing. You say your thing. On, on the next time you go, hey, like I thought that moving this to the real time would actually make this easier to actually you hear the tone of my voice. No, I'm really trying to hear you. Um, you know, for you to be here, my concerns, me to hear your concerns. Um, apparently nothing I say is going to change your mind. I really do appreciate you taking the time to have mm. the conversation with me, even if we're just going to exist at odds about this. Thanks a whole lot. You know, like so the, the yeah. same thing yeah. exists, 
But here's my thing. People who don't follow up with me, it does say like, you're actually not that invested in me, which is okay. Cause maybe they're not, maybe they're not that invested in me. Maybe they just want to think that, yeah. you know, um, yeah. it happens, you know, there are other people who do pick up. Well, I've just had a situation. I've just had a I just had a situation where I was asking someone to show to to show research to back up their like really what I felt like were really wild generalizations and I'm like, "Hey, can you can you give some research?" and they and then they said, "Oh, well, this other person has the research." And I'm like, "Okay, well, what about this argument and this argument?" And then they were just like, "Look, if you're like, look, we can talk on the phone, brother, and I'll pray for you." You know what I mean? And it was like, "No, I'm not calling. You just got mad. You you got frustrated because because you So anyways, right. I'm just saying that sometimes people use that. Obviously, yeah. ill-equipped yeah, yeah. and is just going to try to try to move things offline and somebody who's having yeah. a real conversation. But so that's people that's people that are being frustrated. I'm talking about when you tweet something, what is your responsibility? And we've talked about this already, I guess, with the podcasting, right? Is that I guess with the threshold podcast, you found that like um, you found a certain level of um, yeah, like I'm just putting this out there and people need to take care of themselves um, there, especially if you work for a church, let's say, and maybe that's a different context. And well, I'm just saying like, if you're, if you're tweeting from a church or if you're um, if you're doing something on a very, uh, a highly, a uh, very public at a very public level, let's say, for instance, you're working at the diocesan level. What what responsibility do you have when you put out a tweet to make sure that you are giving enough context for someone who's at I don't know a seventh grade Catholic formation level, right? Well, like, here's the good news, um, and then here's the good news, and then I'll answer your like, question. How do, how do you... Seventh graders don't use Twitter. Yeah, yeah. No, what I mean, the intellectual formation level, I guess I meant is like, you know, there are some people that say, uh, well, you, you, you tweeted this out and that's going to be confusing for people because this person isn't Catholic. Right. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, uh, I just felt like this was, you know what I mean? Like, uh, the fact that you would have to put in your Twitter bio retweets are not endorsements. So when I retweet something that Jordan Peterson says, because I like what he's saying about psychology and then someone says, "Hey, wait a minute! Jordan Peterson uh, is really into Carl Jung. Carl Jung is um, is heres- you know, get, dabbles with heresy. Therefore, you're really misleading the Catholic masses by by tweeting Jordan Peterson because that's right. not a you that's know what I'm saying. Who's decided that anybody who disagrees with them isn't Catholic already, though? I mean, like, so so yeah. here's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. here's here's the people whose hearts and minds I feel called to change. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Edmund Mitchell, number one. Now, uh, the the here's here's my thing. I I want to be, and this, let's 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 we'll bring this back to the beginning, like or not the beginning, but like the the mid the yeah. mid beginning. I don't care yeah. about not being poop in a brownie because you know what? No one likes poop and brownies. Like no one wants to eat brownies with poop in them. <laughs> like here's what I do care yeah, about. Yeah, I yeah. do care about being eleven in the dough. Like. I, I have a heart yeah. for the unconverted. And I don't say the unchurched specifically. I have the heart for the unconverted. And part of that is because I wrestle with my own lack of conversion sometimes. Not not that I don't believe in God. I do. Just my own fidelity to him, like I mentioned earlier. Like, I I struggle with that. I struggle with why I don't, as Paul talked about, like, do what I want to do, I do what I don't want to do. I, man, I, I, yeah, I stay up late at night around that. I, I, I turn into a shell of a person because I know 
I'm not the husband or father or disciple I'm supposed to be and that people perceive me as. Um, and so, so people out there who, who aren't converted, who have not had an encounter with Christ, who don't know the beauty of that love that overwhelms that, that existential sense of, of dread and, um, in something, what am I, I'm, uh, I don't know my my own my own incapability to just be, yeah, insecurity, right? Insecurity. So I I just I want people to have something. I want them to see that God is something that's bigger than those things. I want them to see that God is something that that transforms that that into something more, right? Uh, and that and that all the grinding of of the wheat of my life is going to turn into bread. Right. Um, and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be amazing and it's going to taste delicious. Um, Catholic, Catholic beard, beard bread, beard bread. Um, Catholic bread dot co. Um, the um, the the reality is I want I want those people to have it. I, I had a conversation with a guy, Tim, recently um, and it is on the podcast. Um Tim Tim's biggest thing was he went he came to the Catholic Church looking for two things. Looking for community, which we we should be really good at cuz theologically it's who we are, like it is it's who we are. We're we're a body of people and we suck at it. And he didn't find it there. But he came more more knowingly looking for an experience of the divine. The average Catholic parish if you walked in and you said, "Hey, I'm looking to connect to community." They'd have no idea what to do with you. They'd point at some sort of BS program yeah. or event and say, come to this. Yeah, they'd be like, well, we got this Bible study uh, that goes on. Yeah, Or they'd say, they, maybe you, you should know, join RCIA. You or oh, you're already Catholic. Let's let's plug you <laughs> yeah. into our non-existent faith formation programs. Yeah, or depending on who you talk to, it'd be, uh, yeah, we can right. really use an usher. Now, now here's the <laughs> thing. Here's, or, uh, here's the really deeper need... thing Tim went knowingly right. looking for and not finding. He wanted an encounter with the divine. And Tim comes from an unchurched background. Um, uh, mm -hmm. Vestigially Catholic, um, but but nothing, no formation, no anything else. And he comes in because he knows his roots are Catholic, looking for an encounter of something more than just what humans have to offer. And our response to that typically would be, well, like it's it's in the mass. Like I mean, the Eucharist is there, but Tim, as unchurched person, has no no lens of wisdom Capacity or no exposure to wonder and awe that has sensitized him to the reality of what's happening before. I mean, he doesn't have the intellectual formation and catechetically to unpack that. And yeah, yeah. and so we try to trap him in RCIA or get him in a program or have him come do stuff and and try to make that some vague offering of who the person of Christ is to that. And, and then actually when I realized that was what Tim was looking for, it broke me a little bit inside because if he walked into my church and he said, I'm looking to have an encounter with the divine, like how would the person at the mm -hmm. front desk respond? Right. How would they say, would they know how to say, look, if you're really looking to have an encounter with the person of Jesus, here's how we do that. Or here's what we'd love to have you try. We can't guarantee anything because you know, we don't control God, right? We surrender ourselves to him, but, but here's what we'd love to have you try, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'd, I'd like to think the person at yeah, our front desk could say, Hey man, have you tried alpha? Like, because that's a great response. Uh, and you should do alpha yeah. at every parish in the mid cities. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's something that's that's something that I was I was trained in was this idea that if like proper catechesis, especially you know, in a context where people are culturally Catholic but have lost exactly what you say, this capacity to encounter God at all, or the capacity to even know what that would be like. Like what one thing I I I like try to rattle high schoolers with is this, you know, I have everyone raise their hand, raise your hand. If you would want to hear God's voice, raise your hand. If you like have ever in your life really desired to hear God speak to your God's voice. And then, and then I say, raise your hand. If you could describe what that experience would mm-hmm. be like, and ever, no one raises their hand because no one has talked to them about what, what it would even be like. Everyone just knows that they, that they want to hear God's voice, that they could hear God's voice, but no one's actually described to them. Like, this is what it's like to hear God's voice or here's how you can, here's how you can grow in your capacity to encounter God in some shape or form. And I I think that's, that's like, has to be a fundamental, um, yeah, like a fundamental, it just has to be a life skill. Here's the trick on the threshold podcast, right? Uh, threshold podcast.fm. Yeah. Um, threshold podcast.fm. I do love, love fireside. fireside. Um, so, so uh, I really here's, here's the deal. Uh, every mm-hmm. other episode on average, I've got somebody who's not Catholic, not Christian, different religious background, atheist, agnostic, Mormon. I'd love to get some Buddhist, Muslims, Hindus, Baha'i, other folks on there. Right. I've got that. That's 50%. Yeah. And I've got 50% Catholics and other Christians. And so somebody tunes in. So one week they're hearing somebody who's Wiccan talk about their um, experience of divine is existing over their head and kind of their unpacking of what the divine is. Mm. Cool. Um, yeah. The next week they're hearing. And what are you saying? What, 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 are you, what are you saying when they're saying that? You're like, oh, wow, your truth, man, is really uh, interesting. And like, no, you know, that's just your I'm not, truth. I, I, go, I go, that's interesting. Tell no, me more I'm about joking. that. I'm or joking. I say, what does that look like practically yeah, yeah. in your life? Why is that important? Because I'm not, I'm yeah, not, I'm softball. I'm looking to affirm the fact that they understand that, that God is above them. Right. But I'm also not looking to, yeah to get people to literalistically understand that I'm also not presenting it as anything other than that person's story and that person's understanding. Um, but, yes, but exactly. Here's, here's well, the thing. Well, do on the, you, on the other do week, you, so they, they, and they, you, and they hear that person, they go, Oh man, this, this guy's willing to really listen to people. Let's turn in next week. Next week, they're hearing Brandon Vaught yeah. name. Here's my experience of mm-hmm. deep conversion. Here's my experience of having yeah. to come to wrestle with the fact that one of the most historically attested to facts in the history of humankind is the existence of the person Jesus. And so I have to decide what my relationship with the person mm-hmm. Jesus is in order to move forward here. And here's my last thing mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like earlier this year, um, I got a trans Wiccan person who I had a, only a tenuous relationship with me to sit down and have a real conversation about what they believe and where they journeyed with that. Some of the most intimate things we could talk about. And at the end, when I said, Hey, would you be okay if I prayed for you right now? They said, I'd really love mm-hmm. that. I, I don't care what anybody else thinks, man. Like I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like at the end of the yeah. day, yeah. like I'm, I'm living on my podcast. I always tell people, I don't care if you say no. And I, I do need somebody to say no eventually to, to legitimize people saying no, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah I'm yeah. living for that last five minutes. I'm living for the five minutes where that person lets yeah. me just ask God, to bless them where I'm able to thank God for the opportunity to do that. And where I'm able to hopefully put it in some kind of language that actually resonates 
Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's why I was, that's why I was kind of softballing you about like, it's, it's not like you're, you're giving everyone, you're giving everyone an equal voice and saying, Hey, aren't these, aren't all of these things the same? You're not hide. You're not leading with the fact that you're Catholic, but you're also not hiding the fact that, that you, um, because I think what people are afraid of is the all roads lead to heaven kind of, um, perception. Right. And, and I think people like you're saying that are not as comfortable um wading through multiple opinions or you know, don't know really how to do that or aren't necessarily very solid themselves uh, are nervous they're nervous because they're like well wh- why is he giving all these people a platform without without coming straight out and telling them they're wrong or that his worldview is right or that not all roads lead to heaven and uh, i remember talking with my dad who I love. And, uh, I remember at one point, and I think I've told this story again, but I remember, uh, I was reading Henry Newman and I was reading all of his homilies, parochial and plain sermons or something. I came back from college and I was like getting super nerdy. And my dad was like, Oh, that's super cool. Like, you know, he was the convert from, from the Anglican faith. And, and, uh, I was like, yeah. And he was like, wow, cool. Like, man, he wrote a lot of homilies after he became Catholic. And I was like, no, I think, I think a lot of these are from before he became Catholic. And whether or not that's true, I don't know, whatever. But but uh, but my dad was like really taken aback by why would you waste time reading Anglican homilies? Like, and I'm like, well, well, wait, like he eventually became Catholic. Like he was on to something. It wasn't like everything he wrote suddenly became infallible once he converted to the Catholic faith, right? And and it was this conversation we had of like, well, why would you wanna why would you want to mix in something that might not be the Catholic faith? And what it ended up coming down to is my dad saying, I don't have time to wade through uh, his homily and figure out like varying, varying shades of Orthodox versus unorthodox justification. Right. And so he, he was like, and, and I think that is a stage where you're like, I think that's, that's important for a certain stage. Like I wouldn't just make second graders start, start trying to uh, debate or, or, or wade through different opinions on what theology is. But I think there is a point as a Catholic that you need to have a firm foundation, be well-formed and have someone guiding you through that. But then you need to get to a point where you kind of, you kind of sharpen your, you sharpen your edges by, by bumping them up against conflicting opinions and wading through and testing these things and trying to figure these things out for yourself. Right. Don't you feel like that's, yeah, but I, I think, that's I think here's the challenge. There is no microcosm of the universe at this point in time in which we actually have the opportunity mm-hmm. to form people in an isolated, fully Catholic worldview. And so we can't approach uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our teaching of the faith in that mindset anymore. In, in every way that is significant, we are closer now to the time when Paul and Peter and the apostles were walking the earth and proclaiming the gospel initially. We live in a pluralistic, and, and I'm not, I mean, I, I hate culture war crap. I don't, I, I can't, I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but like the, the anti-Christian, anti-Catholic no, I, 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 worldview that completely consumes yeah. us is so similar to the pagan reality of the of, of century zero, right? Of the of the first hundred years after after Christ died, um, and and mm-hmm. what a blessing it is 
to be able to minister in that place. And and how ridiculous is, is it of us to wish for a culture that no longer exists because it would be easy, right? To wish, wish that cultural mm-hmm. Catholicism still held sway is us basically saying, God, we wish the gospel wasn't so hard. Like we wish being a Christian was easy. I mean, like, oh, how nice would it have been to be in a culture where just everybody believed the same thing. And we've idealized certain historical periods of the church as somehow being easier, as opposed to understanding that those places are the places that eventually led to decline and heresy. How much better to clearly understand the world in which we were trying to minister and to meet people in that place and to form children even from their youth to understand this is the world in which we live. And it's not, it's not the world we were created for and it's hard and it's challenging. And here's why it's significant. And here's why that's amazing. And here's why that's beautiful. And here's the gift that we get to Mm. offer to people who are lost in the world today. And Mm. we don't because we as church have bought into everything the world has told us about Christianity, that it's inconvenient and that it's hard and that it's backwards. And, and I would say that universally abstractly, not, not Tony and Edmund. We're obviously very smart, very perfect, very wonderful. Um, no doubt, no doubt here. None of us doubt anything. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Nope. but we don't approach this mission field. We've been given these lives. We've been given a faith as blessings like we want oftentimes a different mission field a different time of church and i've always found that weird like post-modernity and pre-modernity are have a lot more in common than anything leading up to the 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 enlightenment period right like they just do um and and i think we are able to look at scripture um, not not through our own lens and assigning our own value to it, but actually in some of the truest original intent of the way that scripture should be interpreted because of where our society has returned to. Um, my my favorite book, um, potentially of all time, it's hard because I, I love a lot of books, but my and I will go with fiction here. My my, my favorite fiction book is a book that was recently made into a, a series on HBO, maybe Showtime. Um. Called American Gods. Wait, American what? Gods. Oh, I thought I was. No, no. To, I thought I was. Um, like, I thought you. So were it's, it's this book called American Gods by, by, an, by an author named like, Neil no Gaiman, idea. and it's it's basically the concept of. Oh yeah, I've heard of Neil. Gaiman. Yeah, he has a really great commencement speech on like his like whole artistic journey. No, so anyways, American Gods so favorite book. Here, here's why. It names the pagan reality of our modern culture. And it names the essential nature of belief in the way that we live our lives in a way that no spiritual fiction or even nonfiction of the last four decades, I feel like, has really clearly done. Um, and, and this is basically that, like, it's a battle between the old gods and the new gods. And the new gods are all the things that we have made idols out of. Um, and and the, the TV show and the, and, the, um, and the book treat Jesus very differently. Jesus is a passing footnote in in the book because neil's kind of sensitive to the reality of that um and he's basically like yeah jesus gets along fine in america but he gets along better in the middle east where people actually care about each other um like he just kind of offhand names that like we've made so many different versions of jesus 
that if we were confronted with him in his person, most of us would have no idea that it was him, right? Like we're we're the we're we're before the breaking of the bread on the road to Emmaus, we wouldn't even recognize him because we've made our own idealized version of what he's supposed mm-hmm. to be. And and Neil, this this guy who's he's he's mm-hmm. he had some Catholic roots, but not not Christian, not practicing any sort of Christian spirituality, mm-hmm. is able to clearly name this thing that Christians do that has completely destroyed people's ability to encounter Christ in the way he's truly intended to be. And in the TV show they represented as there's these these tons of different versions of Jesus at this party, right? And everybody's got their own version of Jesus. They kind of flip it around. But um, it's a really interesting take on the role of belief, but it, it names the pagan reality of modern America very clearly um, and why that's something that people need to be more aware of. And we instead have church, just want to have culture wars about whether something's orthodox enough, you know? So how, how, so, so to bring it full circle, how would you, how is it possible or how would it be possible to create a Catholic or quote unquote, would you make a Catholic? I, I feel like this is coming, but a Catholic uh, podcast network. And uh, maybe this thought experiment is important only just to make, everything we've been talking about seem practical, right? Because, okay, let's say, you, you know, okay, we're going to do a Catholic quote unquote. I mean, would you even do a Catholic? Do you, are you put, put down your vote for or against Catholic podcasts um, from a marketing standpoint or from an ideological standpoint? Uh, so if, if, yeah. a, if a, if it, here, here's what I would propose. And it's what, what, what I say at the beginning of my podcast, which is, I don't know if you guys know this is Threshold Podcast.fm, The Threshold Podcast, Tony Vicenda. Um, in episode zero, I kind of lay out my premise, and that's that um, we're not a Catholic podcast, but we are a podcast that's put on mm-hmm. by a Catholic layperson and a Catholic priest, and therefore Catholicism yeah. will certainly be at the root of what uh-huh. we do. I think this is the difference between Tolkien and Lewis, Yeah, right? Lewis sat down to write Christian mm-hmm. works, like, right? Tolkien just sat down mm-hmm. and wrote and and Christian Christian works poured out of him. Right. Like I think I th- you, you just start a you just start a podcast network. network and you go, hey, you know, you know what I, I would really like to have is a lot of phenomenal Catholics on this podcast network doing varied types of podcasts from that clear and consistent worldview, but that are attractive to different people. Mm-hmm. Now that would be my my vote. Now how you, again? Now, it goes back to why. This is why I asked the question, Mark. Who funds that? I don't know. Like not extremerestraints.com. dot com. Yeah. Don't go no, to extremerestraints.com. dot no. com. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's not a plug. It's not a plug. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Uh, what is the that? Podcast Network. I listened to that was one of their early like supporters. Um, and so, oh, but but um, but. <laughs> Well, but the other thing, the other thing is, would you, so is it fair game for any, like, and I'm gonna say this very sensitively, like any type of Catholic, like, would you have Carl Jung, Carl Rahner and Bishop Barron all in this? Because it seems like, uh, what we're saying might, now that I'm trying to think about practically what I'm saying would kind of give the Carl Jung and Bishop Barron both credit, both the let's, open door to beyond. Let's, put the, let's the actually make this network. more practical, right? Because because in the in yeah. the Catholic yeah. world today, would I put Michael Voris, Steve Skojek, Mark Shea, myself, and Bishop Barron all on the same network? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You did that much better. I had yeah. way so, worse examples. So would I put us all on the same network? If your bishop hasn't like censored you and told you to stop, yes. <laughs> 
Um, okay. Because okay. As, for me as a layperson, that's not my job to decide. If you can pitch good content mm-hmm. that I think is going to feed some group of people and is consistent with moving a conversation forward, and you can do so in charity, open to correction in the way that we see laid out in scripture. So you're on record as saying that all the people you have named. They don't offer that fit, bill. Absolutely uh, not. I, the... I've, I've clearly, <laughs> okay, I've clearly okay. not. Just want to say that. Excluding a large number of people. Uh, uh, okay, I, there okay. are some people on that list who have been told by their bishop, you should stop. Um, and been told they can't operate as a yeah, Catholic yeah, ministry. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you don't mean, oh, okay. Okay. When you said, when you said, as long as you have not been censored, I thought you meant. No, no, no. I meant the hypothetically right? leading so their bishop the said no. network. Gotcha, gotcha. So you'd yeah, you'd have to meet some certain you'd have to meet some certain criteria that you that are, are clear, whatever right? that, that you're well maybe you here anyone who does this could be on our network, right? And and within that, yeah. I think yeah. it's great to have variety and diversity, right? Um mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. it would be interesting to to not name one of those criteria as being Catholic. That's going to sound nutty, but I I think it's actually mm. really interesting to think about what would it be like to have a non-Catholic host a show on a network that's largely made of a Catholic podcasting that we know would appeal to a Catholic audience and somehow benefit them spiritually. What's that content? I don't know, man. Maybe it's Muslim women doing sports, right? Like I don't, you know, like that. That I don't know that that exists. Mm-hmm. If you've got that, yeah. And that, and that and that's and that's when that that would probably be a point where because what we're talking about ultimately is branding right like uh, eventually if the network takes on a voice that is nuanced enough that people understand that this is this is a very successful podcast network that is primarily supported by catholics but th- but it has taken on this big larger than life and actually they they represent something a certain voice that does include a podcast that uh that is sports covered by Muslim women. But I think, you know, this, this is not a new problem. I mean, this is like, this is like, uh, you know, running a conservative newspaper, um, and not hot, not allowing communists to, to work for you. Right. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like running. Yeah. It's like running a, a, um, it's like running a nursing, uh, support group and not letting men, um, not letting men into your support group because it's like, well, this isn't for, this isn't for you, or this does not right. fit. This is not on brand. You are not on brand. Right. And so, right? and so, and here's the thing: I'm not defining. So let's let's take a very practical example. Um, like you know, um, somebody else does it. If they decide a brand and I don't fit in that brand, no matter how good my content might be, no matter how Catholic or not Catholic I might be, if I don't fit in that brand, and they tell me that, okay, like that's fine. It may it might even hurt. But like at the end of the day, I've just got to be okay with that and decide, okay, do I want to, do I want to change what I do yeah, to, to yeah, be yeah. a part of that? Or do I want to just say, no, I really love what I do and I don't want to change that, you know? Man, and this is why I would not want to run the, the I would so not here's my thing. You're like never this, looking at an individual so and saying, so much pressure. it's not what we so should much, be doing as church. So- we should never be looking at an individual, right? And saying, here's where you're mm-hmm. failing to measure up. And that's why we are excluding you. Right. No, yeah, totally. I'm just saying, like, if you have to get into a situation where you're like, you know, you have you have five podcasts that have been running for five years and all of them are run by Catholics and they're getting rather successful. But but then you have 
someone one podcast that's like really getting into Carl Jung and really starting to go far afield and really starting to wonder like where truth really does fit like is reality real and starts going off in this direction of like well i really do think relativism is like a is like a pretty legitimate worldview that maybe we could start you know and start it, like there is a certain point where these tough decisions have to be made where it's like okay wait a minute you know we we aren't to the point where this type of um variety in opinions can fit under this umbrella we are mainly just catholics and and there is some type of responsibility to a certain to a certain sandbox you've stepped outside the sandbox it doesn't mean what you're doing is bad content it just means that right. it's all and we it's know the people who come here want to hear a certain thing like and we know that's why they're coming here and so yes the reality yeah. is like you've been here for five years we love you let's let's just figure out cleanly and clearly what our separating point is all right um and, and the problem is we yeah and like that can happen I my, in the church right? like, we don't see rational healthy conversations about how lay people transition out of parishes we don't see it happen around which speakers mm. get hired or don't get hired. We don't see it around which parishioners get to be involved mm. in ministry because we're not comfortable clearly stating the intention and goal of the way we've structured and ordered our ministries or ministry. And we're not comfortable holding that mm. up and saying, this is what we do. This is what we do. And it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And just because this is not you doesn't mean you don't have a place in the body of Christ. Right. It may mean that, but we don't decide that. Our mm. bishops decide that. Um, Jesus decides that like some, somebody else, not, not our, not our problem, like not our thing to deal with. Um, and, and that's something that we're not comfortable with. Like it's always, whenever we get into some of these conversations, not just you and I, but people in general about why someone's opinion isn't good enough. Eventually it starts to come down to like that person isn't Catholic enough. There's an actual process in the Catholic mm -hmm. church that determines that. Like there's a process in the church that's laid out mm -hmm. in canon yeah. law to determine when something someone's doing does not fit in the bounds of orthodoxy. And rather than having mm -hmm. faith given to us by God through scripture, incarnated in the authority and the reality of the church, rather than putting our faith in that, we decide oftentimes to take that all on ourselves and say, I don't like that. Therefore, they're not Catholic rather than saying, no, like God, God put the world in motion. He established the church. He gave us a process for, for who and how this is decided that has been discerned throughout the ages. And, and I'm going to be okay with the fact that God has done that and submit to the reality of it. And, and we don't want to do that. We just want to be mm -hmm. right. Mm. And so, and so that, and, and I want to hear, hear oh. people to hear me very clearly because we always got to caveat things. I could be wrong because part of what I've just stated has to acknowledge the reality <laughs> that I could be totally incorrect Yeah, because God has established yeah. this. It's not about whether or not I like it or not, <laughs> which means I could be wrong. And I would have yeah. to be okay with yeah, the yeah. fact that I was wrong. Even if my position is it, it shouldn't be, if nobody should be upset about it because of my position, I have to be okay with that. Even if I am wrong. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's my big thing. And, and I think that's, that's the big thing. So let's say whoever starts a, a network, you know, if they, if they said, Tony, we'd love to have you on the network, but you can't cuss. I would have to decide how important cussing is mm. to my show's brand. Exactly. That's so hard. It's so hard. And there's so many types of cussing. There are so many different types. It's one thing for the host to never cuss. It, okay. It's one thing for both host and guest to swear 
It's a different thing to have one host on once in a while or one guest on once in a while who swears. It's a different thing to have someone swear and to censor it or someone on and to not censor it or some like, man. Yeah. I, I have a really hard time with that. I, I, I still don't really know. I, you know, Hunter, Hunter swore in the first episode and, uh, and he was like, can I swear on your podcast? And I was like, like my immediate reaction was like, yeah, like I want, if you want to, I know he wasn't going to be uh, crazy about it, but I was just like, like if you're about to say something that, and I know that you're an adult and the swear word is important to your experience and what you're about to tell me happened uh, in this, you know, one situation. Now, if he was doing it every 20 seconds, I'd be like, all right, wait a minute. Can we calm down a little bit? But it was like, it was something someone had said to him and he's like, can I swear and swore? And I was like, ah, oh, man. And I told him, he could do it. And then my friend got mad. Chris got mad because I just, I just, uh, muted the whole word. Like I muted part of the word. So, and, uh, yeah, man, that's such a tough, how do you, how do you make I sense mean, of that? Father Parrish cusses all the time. So, I mean, I just make sense of it by the fact that. <laughs> so you're, cool. yeah, I got, you I got, got a priest check, who cusses man. and a like, person who, who like, very sparingly cusses. Yeah. And you, I don't, I don't know that I've ever cussed on air. Um, yeah, it gets so weird. It gets so weird that it gets so weird in this situation where um individual anyone can start up a podcast or a show and start broadcasting and then and you know, grassroots whatever communicating and then bishops or you know, the bishop's responsibility in a diocese to make sure that his diocese like that he's that to take care and shepherd the faith in his diocese. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm assuming you didn't ask your bishop, your local bishop permission to start the threshold podcast. Right. Cause it just wasn't, it's just not, it, that would, that would be, well, weird, I mean, right? like, when, it wouldn't make when, sense. when Archbishop Peter Sarton and I get together for our, our regular weekly check-ins, no, like it came up, it came up in my, my well, interview with Brandon. Yeah, like we, like, we, I started yeah. talking to your bishop about you and it took him, took him a while to realize you were, I was like, no, he knows me. Like, if he was a face to face with me, he knows my name. He remembers me. We talk about stuff. But it's like I'm one of I'm one of a million Catholics mm -hmm. in his diocese. And even if I'm maybe I, I may have made the I remember you list, like the thing that finally made it click with Brandon was like, mm -hmm. um, he's the guy with the handlebar mustache, right? <laughs> that was that was that was like mm -hmm. the the click. He needed a, a strong visual to tie it. Um, and so, uh, I mean, no, I didn't I didn't talk to him. However, like I do work at a parish. And so after we started the podcast, especially since Father Parrish got assigned there, I, I did actually go, hey, I didn't ask you if this is okay before we did it, because originally when we were talking about it, he wasn't working here. But I do want to make sure, you know, we started a podcast last week that doesn't have anything to do with the parish. And I just want to make sure you're okay with that. Because if you tell us to stop, we'll stop. I, said, I don't care as long as you yeah. like keep it cleanly on your own time. And I said, all right, cool. Like, you know, um, that was, that was the extent of the conversation. Yeah. Now my, I have a pastor who knows what a podcast is, yeah. um, who understands the way the internet largely works, like who, you know, like who is fine with that. Other pastors may have been like, no, I'd prefer you didn't, you know? And at which point in time I'd have to choose to say, okay, am I going to disobey my pastor or am I just going to actually live in a place of obedience, which is what we're all called to and make a hard decision. Yeah, and as my pastor says, it's not obedience until it's something yeah. you don't want to so do. Yeah, and so I, I, you know, just like it's not faith until there's some kind of doubt. Um, the um, the the reality is, do what? Where can we listen to your podcast? Uh, Where can we podcast hear your podcast? 
where what link should we go to yeah i know <laughs> Sorry, uh, let's make it a joke so the the yeah so i mean like that's that's my thing like you, you do have to make those decisions at some point you do have to have those conversations what i love my bishop to be aware of my podcast would i love him to recommend it to people would i love him to even if he came and said i have some questions about why you're doing this the level of like fanboying i would have that my bishop ever like deigned to have that conversation i would be over if he told me to stop i'd be like guys i did something that my bishop had to shut down like that's awesome like because here's what that means my 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 shepherd cares right like he cares and yeah and you know the reality yeah. is to a certain degree as a lay person like um like mark mark shea is a good friend of mine um I think Mark's great. Mark's great. He and I disagree about uh, some topics or, or how different topics are presented, but we have a lot in common also too, because we're, but we're, we're different guys, right? Um, there are people who will try to get me like wrapped up in my relationship with him, make to make it a thing. And my big thing is always this, like Mark Shea uh, regularly ministers within the archdiocese of Seattle, he's right? A- like, so if you think he's a, a left wing yeah. liberal, like, I mean, maybe that says something about our diocese, but our archbishop's from the South. Like, he's not he's not theologically progressive or mm-hmm. liberal. He's very orthodox and conservative. So if he hasn't, like, told him to stop ministering, you don't have any place to. Like, and, and the same thing with my own stuff. Like, mm-hmm. if, you, if I have not been told by my bishop or my pastor to stop doing something in, in a ministerial context— then I'm operating in clear with the guidelines of the church. Now, if I'm hiding it or whatever, that's different. But like, you know, just if everyone's being transparent as they can be, that's it. Like, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's going to get weird. It's going to get weirder. I think it's going to get way weirder. Especially like, and I'm sure, I'm sure there are plenty of, um, of big, like blessed is she or some of these other places where suddenly the Bishop is like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're a small website or podcast or YouTube channel that, that is drawing uh, numbers of viewership that is, that is getting close to the number of people in my diocese. I need to, I need to talk to you about what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like it just, it gets really weird, you know, at that point. Yeah. No. Did you die? Okay. Uh, Where, where should people go to find you, Tony? I've loved if this conversation. If you're interested in finding me, you should really just look in the show notes. There's going to be a list of about 20 or 30 links there that you can use to help uh, support support me, the ministry work I do. And we'll also be providing a direct, uh, direct phone number to uh, Archbishop Sarton uh, where you can call and complain about how much of a heretic I am. Um, yes. Yes, please do, because it yeah. will make Tony uh, feel very good if Bishop asks. So please call and tell Bishop to yeah, so to we're also going to include Tony's a direct uh, direct phone number make... to Edmund's mom, so you can call and complain about how much heretic her son is. Because yeah. we all know <laughs> that's what every mother is really looking forward to at the end of the day. So uh, you were such a good sport. Do you remember that time I um, dropped like thirty five of my Facebook friends? Oh my gosh, that was so good. My mom, that was so good. So, so I took I took uh, like fifty. I don't know. I just kept adding as many people as I thought and as many different weird people as I thought into it. This is back when you could just add people to Facebook messages. And I think they've since stopped this, but I added them all to a big group Facebook message. And I and I said, all I said was something to the effect of like, Hey guys, my mom here uh, would be happy to answer any questions about me that you have. And just let it, just let it go. And it was so hilarious. And like, just to know my mom, she's just so sweet and funny and uh, just like 
just totally just like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now, I guess. Well, <laughs> and, and I feel like it was really funny because there are a lot of people who just like immediately <laughs> left the conversation. And then like Nick and yeah. I yeah, 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 and yeah. I think a priest were like pretty active on it for a little while. Oh, a yeah, and there were a few people that were like really trying to get like embarrassing stuff out of me, like uh, lower out of my mom, and uh, yeah. it was hilarious. I, I, really I do feel like to go do something like like that. three months later, it, it popped back up a little bit, and then like six months later, it got a little bit of a pop again. I think Nick may have instigated that both times. But, oh yeah, yeah. There were some people who were who were a little frustrated yeah. because they didn't know how to get out of it, and they didn't want to keep hearing my mom in her sweet way explain some yeah. cute thing I did when I was three. But I found it so funny. It it fit in that Venn diagram of things that I find really funny, which are things that don't make total sense to everyone, but make but make Bo- me boomers punish me by sending them to their room. It's my dog. I said it's my dog. What? hold on this is a he just realized there's an iguana in the room uh an iguana, a bearded dragon i don't know why i said that oh, okay a bearded dragon in the room that, that is always in the room how did him, you how did it that he just forgets about and then remembers sometimes oh, okay okay so this isn't an alien this is actually, uh, a bearded iguana. Dragon. this is a this is a yeah it's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's, it's his best friend okay um so yeah he has he yes. has um Sorry, I was going to say the effect of like he has yeah. national. I don't remember what I was going to say. It was going to be amazing, though. Almost as amazing as Catholic Beard Bomb. You can well, check that out anyways. by going to catholicbomb. Co. Oh, Tony, this is great. This was fun. This is exactly what I, two what, hours I, what I needed, and um. Oh no! The first thirty yeah. minutes were well, weren't probably, even probably, There's probably another good good thirty so. minutes in there that's not. Um, I, that's the biggest thing I wrestle. I, we're going to switch to more of a I think NPR slash Gimlet style next uh, next season on the Threshold uh, podcast. Ooh, I did one. I did one. I mean, it was just a real quick. I wasn't trying super hard to make it super productiony, but there's a there's a um a, a chapter by Adrian von Speyer that I always read around the time of New Year's, and so I just kind of did a little. It was super late, and I was feeling a little angsty, so I just did the big thing for me is I do like hour what? and ten minute long podcasts, and most people aren't going to listen to that. Well, this one was twenty minutes. No, I want to. I want to. I'm going to. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to like the kind of uh, kind of like where you know, like, hey, because this this can get out oh. also because no one cares about this. Um, where it's like, hey. Like, you know, I'll basically do a longer intro for my guest and kind of recap sections of the conversation and then just cut back in. And so I can cut out some Mm -hmm. of the less interesting starts. And then this is the actual the real thing, right? Because I'm always I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually like kind of always selling, always plugging things. By the way, go to lumabox.co and type in the discount code (laughs) plug it. That's P-L-U-G-I-T to get 10% off Lumabox. The best um, coupon code so, I've ever heard um, in my life. But I'm actually going to take Plug the it. unedited or the, the like the non-edited versions of the interviews, and I'll pop them at a very low level behind a mm-hmm. Patreon. Um, so people who people who want the huh. full content unedited can get the full content raw. But they got to they want it raw. Like a, they want to hear. They, they want to hear that, that Wiccan raw. raw. Wiccan. They've never been exposed. They've never been exposed to a raw or atheist. A raw you know, these people living in these cap, the, yeah, these these uh, these forty five year old women living in Catholic ghettos have never been exposed to. Um, to oh, a here's what I was going to say earlier. 
about this is this is my really I, I I was really proud of this joke in my mind, so I, I do want to go back to it. Do I have to clarify that I'm not disparaging 45 year old? I always feel like when I say ages, like uh, that I'm not. I don't. <laughs> I have to clarify that I'm not. I said on the, the other day in an episode, I said something like, yeah. "Like if you're 40 or something like that." And one I feel of like those. I go, one of these not, days, you're going to say an age, and you're going to realize that's how old you are, and that's when you'll stop. like be like, "Yeah, those 37 yeah. year old." Yeah. Dang it. Um, so, so here's what I was going to say earlier when you talk about <laughs> trapping people, people not being able to find their way out of, um, the Facebook chat. Right. So, so edit, edit, edit this back in and, and post production, uh-huh. right? Just pretend like, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, any of that <laughs> boomers used to punish millennials by sending them to their room. We punish boomers by trapping them in uh Facebook chat. Dang it. Didn't come out the way I wanted it to Let's try again. <laughs> Edmund, uh, that was so that's funny. A great way to end. Uh, Boomers used to punish millennials. No, I'm not doing any of this. I'm not doing any of this type of editing. It's it's if it's if yeah, yeah it's in the show. If it's in the show, anyways, that's a great way to. End. I'm going to stop recording okay. now, like, and like I, I want to talk to you. Actually, just more, just like each other. Ugh. Just have yeah. My friends get mad because yeah, it's like why can't we just talk as friends? Why do you always have to turn on something and have it recording while because. we're talking? It's like for evidence. For evidence. Anyways, I'm gonna. All right, this was great. This was fun. Thanks, Tony. Bye, Tony. Say bye. Say bye, Tony.